When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in GC Live Wednesday episode, always the coordinator edition as we'll be reacting to all three South Carolina coordinators, Dow Loggins, Clayton White, and Pete Limbo previewing South Carolina versus Florida. And we'll get into some recruiting talk as well. The big news earlier this week coming out Tuesday evening, Jalewis Solomon decommitting from Alabama. Anybody that follows South Carolina recruiting in the least bit Already knows that name, so we'll dive into what that means for South Carolina. Does that mean South Carolina is now the favorite? We'll dive into all that and more. And then, hey, a big recruiting weekend coming up. You've kind of circled this week, I would say, for a few weeks now as being the one where it looked like South Carolina could have a number of top targets on campus. So we'll get into all that as the show progresses. As always, this show brought to you by our buddy Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933. Again, go to clinthammond.com for all your information. But basically, the short version is, if you need a mortgage, Clint is your guy. NMLS number 71597. If you prefer to text him or call him on his cell phone, that's 803-422-6797. Or you can just shoot him an email with your questions, clint.hammond at movement.com. Shout out to Clint. Big supporter here of GC Live and of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Chris, let's start offense. People like to talk offense in the first place. But, man, I, I thought Dow Loggins was cooking today. Like, if you have not watched his press conference or listened to his press conference, go back and listen to it. Some really good stuff. Um, I actually – I have notes. Oh, I, me too. Uh, me too. How I, about that? I came to class pre prepared today even if I can't speak, but man, um, he, he's one of the more just open coaches South Carolina has had, I feel like, in a coordinator role over well, the he, years. He walked in today, Wes, and was kind of cracking jokes about going off the record, no coach speak, and man, he, he wasn't kidding. that There was not coach speak going on there. He kind of called it like it was. I'm not it, sure you know, if Owl is a uh, coffee or Red Bull guy, but he seemed a little – he seemed like maybe he had extra cup this morning. He was kind of keyed up. Well, he was fired up about those 69 inefficient runs that South Carolina has had so far this year. <laughs> I think that was keeping him up at night. But, no, nah, seriously, so, I, you know, the one, the one thing I've noticed, everybody has a line. The spot he draws the line is at whatever he sees in his mind as being the head coach's role like injuries or roster type moves like this guy is moving up this guy's moving down depth chart stuff like that he 
they they've tried to get him like they've they've pushed for a couple answers on some of that stuff and he he definitely draws the line there but I, I would say in terms of what are you thinking as a coach on this given play you know what's the scheme here very open about that stuff and I actually I think there's a lot to get to here Chris but I I actually changed my approach there there's one thing I said oh that's the top that's the, that's our lead and then I said no this is our lead and then Dow said something that for me trumped it all because it's something people if they ever listen to our show have heard me say multiple times and I said I have got to start with this thank you Dow, I don't think I've heard many coaches use this terminology and say this, but it is so true. Quote, you can't treat symptoms, you have to treat problems. And yes. we in football space, everything, fans, media, even coaches to an extent, we always talk about the symptoms. You can't run the football. You're not good in the red zone. You're not good on third down. Hey, you have to be able to run the football and stop the run. All those things are symptoms. They are not the root cause. They are not the root problem. If you're bad on third down, there's another actual underlying reason that you have that problem. And it it was just, I would say, refreshing is the word. To hear a coach say that, he went on to say, you have to know why it is happening. And uh, it, that, to me, took me back to the, you know, cliche of just basically like, you know, the, the first the first step is admitting there's a problem. You know, uh, so first you admit there's a problem. If that is the first step, then the second step is identifying, all right, why is there a problem? What is the root cause of this problem? And, um you know, it, it just it, it caught my attention, and I almost jumped up and cheered when I heard the word <laughs> symptoms, uh, which is probably a weird thing. But, Chris, what, what did you think about the symptoms versus, he said problems. I would say root cause is probably an even deeper way to, to maybe say it. Yeah, well, I, I as soon as I heard it, I uh, you caught my attention, and I started laughing because I envisioned you doing a, a dance from your home office there. <laughs> Um, it's like, hey, that's what Wes talks about all the time. Uh, may, probably just shows Wes that Dow will listen to GC Live. I mean, he's probably sitting down now checking it out, you know. But uh, we're, I, we're cheering him on if so. That, that's right. But, you know, I, here's the thing. I think another thing you could take away from what he said today is that those root causes are not always just one thing. That's another thing that we like to do in football. We like to oversimplify things and just say, here's this thing. Oftentimes, there's there's a variety of different things going on. I mean, you have – this is a game, West in which there's 22 people on the field at the same time, all doing an individual job but collectively. And so it's actually, you know, pretty complex with a lot of different things that are going on. And so Dowell addressed a lot of these, I think, issues that are underlying in that Look, another thing that Gamecock fans should love and respect is that he put a lot of it on the coaching staff and himself. And so there were times he said, hey, we got to coach better. 
he called out is not the right word, but he identified that, hey, Spencer Rattler did not play his best game against Tennessee. He identified that, hey, from a personnel standpoint, there's some guys that, and I'm paraphrasing here, probably are going to be playing less and some other guys that are going to be playing more. He identified some schematic issues, you know, that they were able to pour over during the bye week. So I, I loved the symptom versus cause thing. And it seems like during the bye week, the coaching staff was really honing in on why you're not having to just turn the page super quickly and just turn things around in basically one day and start preparing for your next opponent. You have, you frankly have time to do a deeper dive. You have time to make a few more changes and you have time to identify some of those root causes. So when they're able to, you know, I'm sure they knew Wes going into this week. It's not like this is the first time they counted and identified that they've had those 69 bad running plays, right? But they were able to actually take deeper dives and find out what are those root causes uh, that have led to the some of the plays that we've seen. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed hearing that, man. And, um, you know, to, to go off something you just said, I, I'm now – the the roster management nerd side of me, the the one that likes to see, well, this guy's taking this many snaps this week, but he took that many snaps two weeks ago. Hey, this guy's playing edge now instead of inside. I'm intrigued. Uh, it, it it almost feels, not to that extent, it almost feels like a week one again when you start to hear the things that have been said about potential changes going into this week. And we've seen South Carolina, we've seen the evidence for the last two years where they have tweaked things after the bye week. And, man, I, I got two clips I want to play because it actually kind of bounces off of what we talked about last week with that quote from Beamer during the SEC teleconference a week ago now when he was like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, but there are changes. Um, first of all, start with a quote from Beamer yesterday, and then we're going to piggyback off that with a quote from Dow today. On both lines of scrimmage, I guess things are a little in flux with a few of the guys there, uh, whether it's a guard or right tackle or whatever. Can you share what's going on with, with those two spots, or maybe you're trying to sit on that till this weekend? I or... can't. <laughs> um, we certainly reevaluate everything and look at personnel and things like that as well. Uh, we have to play and coach better uh, on the offensive line uh, at every position, center, guard, tackle, uh, really everywhere on offense for sure. Um, and uh, part of the bye week was being able to step back and kind of reevaluate everything and think outside the box a little bit and and uh, maybe the same five out there Saturday. It may be you know, an adjustment, but let's just get the five guys out there and get some continuity where, you know, whatever we do, let's let's get these five guys out there and let's go with them because it's hard on the offensive line when you're, you know, shuffling guys in and out each and every week. So so keep that one in mind. And now here's Dow Loggins today. Dow, you mentioned multiple changes maybe coming this week down the stretch. You had an opportunity to share some of those. No, I'll let Coach Beamer talk about all roster yeah, things, but there are things, you know, there are, uh, there are people that you guys think should play more. There are things that we get to evaluate weekly on who should be playing, who's practicing well, um, and practice does matter. Like, we didn't practice well enough against Tennessee. That's why we didn't play well enough. We didn't coach well enough against Tennessee. That's why we didn't play as well as we could have. 
Um, so we need to do a better job coaching. And we, we, those personnel things get decided through the week is who's getting better, who's trending in the right direction. If a guy's ready to play, we're going to put him in and play him. And if a guy's not, then we're going to continue to work him in until the point where it's time to let him loose. We've proved that with we're starting two freshmen on the offensive line. Like We aren't scared to play young people here if they're ready and it's their time. So we're going to continue to evaluate things. And it's the old saying, every day's an interview. As a player, you better feel that when you come in. Like We love each one of them, and we care about them, and we want them to do well in school and do well life after football. But we're also trying to win football games right now. So every day is an interview. So how you practice determines how much you get to play. So, and, and Dow also, I thought this was included in there too, Chris, but I wrote this down. He said, there will be changes to multiple areas, uh, dot, 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 to try and cover that up. I believe the cover that up was referring to pass pro issues or, or issues up front in general. But, I mean, we've got all type of evidence in the last week or so that there are going to be some real changes I think in terms of maybe personnel, the thing that Beamer said, and, you know, also again, Loggins saying what you said, Hey, we got to coach better said that multiple times. He said it in that clip there, but Beamer saying, we got to find continuity on the offensive line. Let's, let's get five guys and let them go play. You can look at that depth chart, which is the same as the Tennessee week. As far as what they put out publicly though, right guard says Troball or Ja'Kai Moore. Right tackle says Sidney Fugar or Tyshawn Wanamaker. They've said Ja'Kai Moore is back this week. He is healthy. A little interesting to me that they do not want to announce yet what the plan is there. So, yeah. I, I don't know, man. My, my wheels are turning on what some of these changes could possibly be. But... It, it does seem to kind of center a bit around once again a conversation about the <laughs> offensive line. Yeah, and and look, if you're identifying Wes root causes, and Dowell talked about this a little bit today, it it has really come down to the play up front. Um, he was even asked at Tennessee about some of the routes that were thrown short of the sticks, and he said. Hey, that can be a lot of different things, but if we're just talking about Tennessee, a lot of it was protection issues. Wes, that's been a theme, and that's why we spent, honestly, man, more time than I would have liked to spend talking about the offensive line in the preseason, after game one, here in, you know, what are we going into, week seven? Like, I haven't wanted to talk about it this much, but it has been a storyline because it's really, when it comes to the offense, it's been the main storyline. There are others, right? There's Juice Wells being out, there's running back, there's Spencer Rattler's play. There, there are storylines here, but South, by and large, South Carolina's failures offensively have really been tied to the fact that they have not been able to play well up front. And even off of that, there are other things, right? Injuries have played a role. Your, your, your two starting tackles are out. Marky Anderson, who would have played even as a true freshman, has been out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that's been the biggest issue for this team. I'm fascinated because because of the injury situation, Wes, you seem to be limited in your options there, right? Up front. You can shut we we know that there's some guys you can shuffle around. Um Nick Garzulo can play multiple spots. Vershawn Lee can play multiple spots. Um you can plug Ja'Kai Moore back in. You've got some guys on the roster that haven't factored in as much 
right? Like a, like a Trey Jones, for instance, you know? But you don't have, it's not like you have a full complement of bodies. It's not like you have, hey, you know, something else he alluded to, playing more young guys. It's not like you have more freshmen to stick in there. You got two of them. Two of your four are starting. One mm. of them's on the shelf. And one in Jatavia Shivers, we still don't think is ready. So it's just, it, it does have my wheels turning too. I'm just not sure, uh, to be honest with you, what the answers are there on the offensive line. But it does seem like we probably are going to see something different there. Well, yeah, because you've, to your point, I mean, you've already kind of pulled all your levers there. Like they're mm-hmm. there. You don't have the four tree is not waiting in the wings right now as you're kind of, <laughs> well, let's just, let's just go for it with this freshman. You already pulled already that cord. That. So, you know, I've wondered, does that mean Beamer mentioned does you know, Beamer mentioned Fugar. Does Fugar get another chance in there? Um, we haven't really seen them go the Jakai Moore to right tackle route. It, it seems like is that what we see? That they're really past that. I I don't think, dude. I don't think you want to move Garjulo or Vershawn Lee, despite their versatility. Right, they've been really good for you. Yeah, I don't they've know if you want to. I don't know if you want to disrupt that. If we're having a conversation about continuity, I don't. I don't think I'm disrupting that. I, I did like the answer about throwing short of the sticks. That's another thing that I think it, it's it's easy to be sitting in the stadium and be like, "Oh man, why, why, why did you why did you run that route to that? Why did you throw the ball there? It's third and eight. It's a six yard route." So and sometimes that goes back to what Beamer talked about, like a receiver not running the route to the correct depth. But sometimes it is literally, all right, they drop everybody back. What what do you want the quarterback to do? To throw the ball into coverage? Um, if there's no in, in order to when when the team zones you up like that, you kind of you have to have great protection up front in order to hit balls down the field against zone. The perfect example, y'all remember the play, they they hit it twice, that deep dig route South Carolina hit against Tennessee last year, uh, and it was like literally the same play on multiple third and longs. And, you know, you see South Carolina drop back, they let that play develop, and then they, that that lets the zone sort of space out a little bit, and you can hit those. Well, if you don't have time to throw, then those routes don't get to develop. So then you have to throw it short. And then that that's exactly what the defense is designed to do. They're going to rush and cover. They're rushing you up front. They're dropping back into coverage. They're going to come up and tackle. Sometimes on a first or second down, you're just trying to get something positive. You're trying to get positive movement forward. That's when you need your guy to make somebody miss. That's when – you have to hope for a one-on-one situation that your guy wins it. So, you know, I I do feel like that's kind of a narrative that has taken off a little bit. Oh, they just throw short passes or they just throw the ball out. They they told us from the very beginning they were going to throw quick passes to the perimeter yeah. because they haven't been able to run the ball. So yeah. at some point, I think we all have to kind of acknowledge 
sometimes there's only so much you can do. Like, you only have so many options. Now, you have to keep trying to get better. You can't quit. But when you're watching them throw perimeter wide receiver quick throws, quick game, they're trying to extend their running game. They're trying to change the point of attack, basically. So I I really haven't had much of a problem with a lot of that, Chris, to be honest. I think a, a lot of it just comes down to finding a way to sort of keep bringing this offensive line along as, as much as that conversation is not a fun one. Well, two things off of that. So because of the run game, you, you do have to throw those perimeter throws more. And you, you try to improve all these areas, obviously, right? Um, if you're going to throw a perimeter ball, you need to be better perimeter blocking. You need to block long enough to where your quarterback can deliver said pass. You need your guy to be able to make some one-on-one moves. But it has me thinking about schematics, Wes, and personnel. So while the coaching staff has been studying this, have they discovered, hey, we got to throw these perimeter types of throws because we can't run the football consistently. But is there a different way to administer them maybe that gives your team more success? I don't know the answers. I'm, we're not coaches. We're not going to sit here and start drawing it up on the board with ideas, or at least I'm not. But is there a different way to administer it? Maybe. And here's the other thing. I've talked about this notion about having South Carolina, especially with Juice Wells out, not having as many make-you-miss guys. The best teams have that, right? Like the best teams, we always say, oh, well, they're they're great up front. They got a great quarterback. They got a great running back. You got receivers that can get downfield. They always, if you go look at really good teams, they always have players who are really good in space consistently. The best teams have guys who can win in space. And so Dowell Loggins had a line about guys that are just good enough to get you beat. Right. So guys who are experienced, uh, guys who do things the right way, they know exactly what to do. But maybe when push comes to shove, when it's time to make a play, maybe they're simply not making enough plays. And so, again, this is not one I'm going to speculate on. But are there some situations where they're looking at it and saying, gosh, man, we have young player A. Let's say it's like hypothetically now Tyshawn Russell. You know, he's made some plays this year. He's done some things, right? He's also, I'm I'm certain, made some freshman mistakes. Is he a guy they're looking at at receiver saying, we need to live with some mistakes because from an athletic standpoint, he's one of our better guys. We need to add more athleticism. Are they looking at maybe running back and saying, your guy, Wes Braswell, hey, this is one of the top five fastest players on the team. Let's find a way here. Let's find a way to get him into space and let's live with the results because we might get some more negative, but we also may get some more positive. And I think you could point out a few different examples of that. They kind of already made that decision on the offensive line, right? Some of it was out of necessity. Again, you lost your two starting tackles. You're already limited. But at some point you say, hey, we're going to put in this freshman, Tree Babalade, and we're going to let him start against Georgia on the road. We know there's going to be some down moments along the way, but we're still going to play this guy because of the upside, because of the potential, and Dow alluded to that today. So when we're talking about some of these base things, Wes, that South Carolina has to execute better, at some point you have to be able to execute 
base plays, more simple concepts. And I think part of that is just having your players, you know, perform better in those situations. So some of that's tied to personnel. So as we continue to talk this through, I mean, my wheels are just turning about what other changes, you know, we could see at the skill positions. We, we know quarterback's not changing, right? We know you're kind of limited up front, although there they, it seems there'll be some changes. What else will we see at the skill positions? Yeah, kind of exciting to at least see what that looks like. Even Chris Pete Limbo talking about the fact that uh, he kind of went down through the roster and said, and, and we, we kind of often talk about the limbo matrix of, hey, this guy's doing this, this, and this. Let me let me not put too much on him, but hey, coach, I would actually love to have this guy running down covering kicks and sort of kind of literally going through the roster and saying, well, hey, this guy's played one game. We think he's a red shirt, but I can use him this game, this game, this game. Maybe I use this other guy this game that and maybe we can maintain that red shirt status, but let them still play and let them help on special teams. And, you know, I, I think for, for Limbo, he's kind of always looking at those things, but you got to imagine a guy as detail oriented as him, that there were probably some things he looked at and, and wanted to kind of alter a little bit, maybe even things we don't even notice when you're watching the game live. Like these are, aren't the things that are just going to stand out to you. But if you were charting, who was on kickoff coverage two weeks ago? Maybe there's two two guys that are different. One, one thing I so Vakari Swain, he's been on kickoff coverage, I think twice. Then hasn't been in there the last couple to few weeks. So I, I think that's you know that's another guy. I just personally, I know fans ask about him a decent amount. They don't ask about him as much as Nicholas Harbor, but <laughs> they do ask about Vakari Swain from time to time. I'm I'm curious too, you know, what can he do to get himself in a position or what can the staff do to put him in a position to use what we know is really good athleticism, smooth operator, um, you know, maybe a guy that ultimately you say can help you on offense. So I think those are things that everybody is curious about going into this week. And go ahead, Chris. Yeah, just just one quick point on the freshman, West. You said something, saying the name Nicholas Harbor, Harbor triggered this, I think. Dowell said something to where you could kind of tell they have heard this, you know, continue to hear this. Um, and I think he was kind of hitting right at it of, hey, we are not afraid to play freshmen that are ready. And I have seen what I think West kind of amounts to a straw man argument that's been built in that, oh my gosh, look at all, you know, look at others. Other schools are playing freshmen. Other schools are playing five stars, right? Well, Go up and down the list of players that South Carolina signed that are true freshmen. Now, Shane Beamer set the table before the season. He said, we're going to play a lot of freshmen, okay? But just, if you don't believe it, Desmond Umazulu playing. Elijah Davis is not a freshman, but he's a first-year player. His his role was expanding as a JUCO guy. Marky Anderson would be playing if not for the fact that he was hurt. He was the number one guy out of this entire class identified as, like, he's going to play, but he's out for the year. Pup Howard is playing, and his role seems to be expanding. Xavier McLeod has played in some games. Maybe his role expands. Vakari Swain has played in some games. Tree Babalade is a starter. Braswell we've only seen once. Jalen Kilgore, starter. Sellers we only saw in one game. 
Trevon Ball, starter. Zabari Sandy's played some special teams. Connor Cox has played some special teams. Um, Tyshawn Russell has played. Judge Collier has played. It's the vast majority of the class that has played, and many of them are either starting or playing meaningful snaps. So it goes to show. Now, you could start, okay, I get it, Chris, but find a way for Nicholas Harbour. Find a way for Vakari Swain, and I get that. But I just wanted to, you know, since Dowell said it too, it got it. I made kind of a mental note. Let's bring that up on the show. It's not like South Carolina saying, "Ah, we're just not going to play freshmen this year, guys." No, nobody's ready. They're they're playing a ton of freshmen, and uh, and Dowell talked about that a little bit today about not being afraid to play them uh, when they feel like they're ready, and if they're not ready, you know, continuing to try to bring them along. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, all right, we're about at the midway point here, and means it's a great time to tell you about our friends at game time. And Chris, this South Carolina Florida game has been sold out for weeks actually. Yep. It's probably one of the earliest sellouts they've had in a while. I think they've had a bunch of sellouts the last two seasons, but a lot of them have kind of been almost last minute sellouts. This one's been sold out forever. You may still want to go to the game. It is homecoming. It is an SEC home game. It is the perfect sweet spot of a time, 3.30, not too early, not too late. Tickets are not available right now, but you can get tickets by using the Game Time app. There you can see it right there, South Carolina, Florida. Tickets are available, Williams-Brice Stadium. Download a Game Time app or to go to gametime.co. Y'all, I cannot talk today. I don't know what it is. I'm getting ahead of myself. Gametime.co is the address. If you use the code Gamecocks, you'll get $20 off your first purchase. And they also have a guarantee, which is pretty awesome. If you buy a ticket via the GameTime app or website for a certain price, and then you find a ticket in that same section and row that is a cheaper price, they are going to give you 110% of the difference. So they're going to give you back basically your money and then some so that you can go ahead and purchase the cheaper ticket there. So they are obsessed with saving you money. Check out the Game Time app. There are um, stipulations that do apply. Again, it's got to be the first time that you order with them to use that code. But check out Gamecocks in the promo code field. You'll get $20 off your first order. So get $20 off, go to the game, win-win for everyone. As we go on, we'll tell you some more about um, the great other sponsors we have justin saying i need some nlds ticket i would love to go that game game five will be on saturday so i'll, I'll be at williams Bryce stadium for that one but hopefully the scheduling the timing will work out to where people like me can watch both people like you who are also gamecock and braves fans can watch both as well chris did you have any notes on clayton white not as many as Dowell. Dowell, Dowell gave us uh, some some fired up material, Wes, and I think there was a, a little bit more there. But I, I actually paid pretty pretty. I can't talk either. Should we just let's just? I have maybe, I have rubbed off wrong on you. I feel like <laughs> let's let, let's reset. Let's reset. Um, you know, I, I think he had some some interesting stuff on Florida's offense, right? And I think he had some interesting stuff. 
um, on the run game. Now, I'm actually working, Wes, on a run game piece that I think is probably coming out this afternoon or this evening. And basically where I land, based on the statistics and based on the eye test, I think both are important, is that, yeah, I think South Carolina overall is has been and will end up being better against the run than they were last year. But there's been a lot of inconsistencies. And Clayton White, in talking about the run game, kind of identified those, right? He, he said that they stopped the run well at times this year. The effort's good. The want to's there. It, it's a different looking team compared to last year. I kind of took that in and said, you know what? I agree, right? Because you can point to some instances and some games for this team. The Mississippi State game is a phenomenal example, right? Bad, bad performance through the air. But in terms of the run, when Mississippi State wanted to run it, it was just a complete shutdown. Woody Marks, 27 yards, came into that game leading the SEC in rushing. South Carolina totally shut him down. You even had in one game, like you had the first half of the Florida game, or Florida, first half of the Georgia game versus the second half. Tale of two, like differences even in how they played in the first and second half. You had the Tennessee game that I thought was their worst performance, right? Some of that was schematic. Some of it was really good backs that they played. Some of it was mistakes that South Carolina made. And so in hearing Clayton White unpack that, Wes, he feels that from a technical standpoint, from an assignment standpoint, that's where they've had some failures. They've got to get better in terms of just reading keys better, being in the right spots, keeping their eyes in the right spot. The reason I brought up Florida to loop to kind of tie this all together before I turn it over to you, Clayton White identified this Florida offense as being difficult to play against. I think we all kind of look at Florida's offense and think of it as more like quote-unquote basic. You know, it's mm-hmm. more different than Tennessee. It is maybe more conventional. But there's shifts, there's motions, there's different alignments. They're going to give you some different things to look at. um, And they're going to try to get your eyes in the wrong places so that they can run the football, get easy access throws, pop some some passes on you down the field. And so Clayton White actually thinks that this is a big challenge because of all those checks, flows, and motions. So this, Wes, this game is not only going to just generally test South Carolina's run defense, it's going to test some of the areas that they have not always been super sharp in, and that is just, you know, being on point defensively with what they need to do. Well, let's combine, again, like we did with Dow, let's combine something Clayton said with something Beamer said, and I I think you look at the fact, I think Beamer said it like this, you kind of have, let's say you have a young player, and this is the defensive call, this is the play. Well. Based on, all right, are they in 21? Are they in 12? Are they in empty? Um, you know, or do they have three receivers to the boundary? One defensive call could actually expand out to being five different things that you're doing within that one call. And so it's easy to say, hey, let's play this young guy here. He knows the defense on a board, like on a whiteboard. Well, can he make that decision on the fly, especially going back two weeks ago when you're playing Tennessee, when they're going warp speed? And then can you physically do it while processing it quickly? Um, you know, Clayton also has talked about sort of the the fact that 
you're you're going to coach the heck out of the guys as far as their technique and what you want from them. But for different guys, it sort of clicks in at different times. And so I think they're continuing to try to build that depth. For Florida, it feels like it's a different type of difficulty. And, you know, I, I, I made the mistake of assuming this is kind of a basic offense because it, it looks similar to every offense you see in college ball these days. But I think it's it's an offense where you're going to have to know your little details. And it's not necessarily going to be quite as, like, um, process it, like, super fast, but you're just going to have to be able to, oh, they're doing this shift, this motion. What does that mean for me? And, you know, Clayton White was talking about it could be as simple as, all right, that guy's lined up one yard inside or outside, which means either that guy's going to block me or he's going to block that player further outside of me. And those are little cues, little things you kind of probably only get with experience. So, you know, I, I think for this week, you kind of just know you're going to get some different looks, some looks where maybe they come out and, and it looks like the I formation, and then next thing you know, they've shifted into empty. Do you know where you're supposed to be in all of those situations? So I think it's it, it's just a different type of challenge. And that, that's kind of the beauty of college football. You're yeah. not going to get the same offense at, from week to week. It, it's it's going to be a different – got to climb a different mountain every single time you go out there. Yeah, and, and you got to try to – you know, you're doing all this while you're trying to improve. You know, you're in try, trying to improve, you know, South Carolina every week. And that's why I think this bye week was so critical, Wes. Even again, I, I think it sounds almost kind of silly. It's like, well, well, the coaches get paid to coach and watch film and scout and self-scout. Like, what? But – Again, when you're in season, it's just different. When you come back from a game and you're watching the film on the plane or the bus ride back and you're right back in the building on Sunday and Sunday it's about corrections, but then Monday you are on to the next opponent, you don't have as much time to go back and kind of – not that we're going to see a total and complete overhaul of the South Carolina offense, defense, and special teams, but the bye week does allow you to do more assessment and to do more um, self-scouting and, and to make more tweaks. And so um, the biggest ones, it seems, Wes, from just hearing Beamer, hearing White, hearing Loggins, hearing Limbo, yes, we'll see some personnel changes. We'll see some scheme changes. But even going back to what Beamer said of just really honing in on fundamentals, in some areas what they've seen um, has really just been fundamental issues, right? Like after the UNC game, we heard the defensive tackles we're not playing with proper technique. We heard Clayton White after the Tennessee game earlier today talking about how, you know, they weren't getting their eyes in the right places. So honing in on those things and, and having a bye week to do it is and get healthy is something that was, you know, very much needed uh, for this program. For sure, man. Um, all right, we're going to talk a little recruiting here in a second. But first, Chris, you want to tell everybody about at Trey Helps on – Every single platform that exists, I think, including TikTok. <laughs> Trey Helps is on TikTok. Our man Trey Harrell, personal injury, auto accident attorney right here in the great state of South Carolina. I don't know about every platform known to Man West, but I do know 
He is on Instagram. He's on Twitter. He's on TikTok at Trey Helps. If you want to go get some entertainment and if you want to go get some really cool tips, some really helpful tips and to see how he can help, how he does help those who have been injured in auto accidents all across the state of South Carolina, go follow him there. Great guy, very helpful guy because Trey Harrell helps folks that are injured in auto accidents all over Gamecock country. I hope you never get injured, obviously, in an auto accident in the Palmetto State. If you do, or if unfortunately you know somebody who has been, make sure you don't go at it alone. Make sure they don't go at it alone. Find an attorney who's going to fight for you. Find an attorney who's going to fight to get you what you deserve. You need to find an attorney who helps. So remember that Trey Harrell helps. That's at Trey Helps on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or you can visit his website for more information, attorneyharrell.com. Appreciate Trey Harrell. Attorneyharrell.com, at Trey Helps on social media. Appreciate him for helping us bring you GC Live a couple times a week. All right, Chris Clark, let's talk recruiting. Big recruiting weekend coming up for South Carolina. Also, big news on the recruiting front yesterday. We had anticipated this possibility. We didn't talk about it a whole lot uh, purposely, but now we can. Jalewis Solomon officially decommitted from Auburn. Not a direct flip, um, but I think Gamecocks are in, in a really good spot here. They almost landed him before. We all know the story now if you followed recruiting at all. Um, it was back and forth down to the down to the very minute with him. He commits to Auburn, and South Carolina has kept working this situation. The recruits who are in this class for Carolina, they kept working it as well. Solomon now officially back available as an uncommitted prospect and someone I, I think we'll be tracking going into this weekend to see if he potentially shows up at williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday afternoon as well. Yeah, this is one, Wes, where, you know, sometimes a guy decommits, you're not really sure. It's kind of a general opening up of the process. Is there an element of that to this one? Maybe, but this is one that really seems tied to the Gamecocks, right? Um, Given how close this one was, how it went, I mean, Wes, as down to the wire as I remember one going. Um, Fortunately for South Carolina, this wasn't a down to the wire on signing day. This wasn't a making a choice and then signing a piece of paper or enrolling at a school. This was a, an earlier decision that gives you time. And I think we knew pretty immediately, given how this one had gone, uh, that this one would not be over. I think, Wes, if he had committed to South Carolina the first time, we would be monitoring, hey, is Auburn still in this thing? They probably would have been. So monitoring, like you said, a possible visit this week. Know that Solomon's been in touch with people around South Carolina associated with that program, and you get the sense, or more than a sense, that the Gamecocks um, are really an impetus, a driving force behind Lewis Solomon backing off this pledge to Auburn. Yeah, if, if he makes a commitment somewhere anytime soon, I, I think you feel good about that being South Carolina. And I, I think if, if he extends it out, of course, other teams will get involved. There's not really that many highly recruited, uncommitted prospects that are even still out there for the 2024 class. So you got to imagine that his phone started ringing once teams realized he was uncommitted. But South Carolina has laid the groundwork here. South Carolina has put themselves in a spot, I, I think, to go ahead and take advantage of, of him 
decommitting or in some ways, like you said, may just be the driving force behind it. And I think this is this kid's a playmaker, Chris. Like we got the film rolling now for those who are on the video side. Kev Brochet, shout out to him for checking in. But he Kev's can help fired you up. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he can help you on offense. He can help you on defense. Looks like a guy who could probably help on special teams. South Carolina recruiting him as a defender in the defensive backfield. I just I like the versatility, the fact he can pretty much do anything for you, especially at the high school level. Football player. I mean, that's just – it gets thrown around. This guy just – he does it in all phases of the game at high school. And, Wes, if I if I heard I, Carolina wants Jalewis Solomon as a receiver, you'd be like, all right, that, that sounds pretty good. I think he could do it. But this guy's someone that Torian Gray really wants in his room, and that seems to be the plan. I, I want to credit you. I love your idea of this guy being the nickel of the future. I think he's got that written all over him. Could he play corner? Yeah. Could he play safety? Yes, I think so. I love the idea of him playing corner because he's got some physicality to him. He can move. He can run. He can cover. And I think he's got the size for it, too. Yeah, I, I like the fact he'll come up and hit you, too, man. Like, this is a, this is a dude. There's a reason they wanted him so bad in the first place. And, I mean, great offer list to start with. So that that's all, already kind of your first indicator that he could be a difference maker. And uh, throwing the film – this I have not watched this until right now. This is the updated senior film from about nine days ago. So uh, he's had a big senior year, I, I think, as, as it appears here. But back on the market as far as recruiting goes, and somebody will certainly be tracking – uh, among other guys, man, I mean, Chris, it, it has gotten interesting in a hurry. And that's because, hey, now you got you got Braylon Staley as a guy that we're tracking. Um, Cam Fountain as a guy that we're tracking. Um, you know, just new, either new offers or sort of new developments with several of these guys that now are worth keeping an eye on for 2024 class. Yeah, I mean, Brace Staley's committed to Tennessee, Cam Fountain out of Atlanta, the Southern Cal commitment who will be in town this weekend. Uh, Quay Scott, Wes, who's a cousin of TJ Sanders, who's from Marion. Uh, another nickel corner type Kentucky commitment that South Carolina just extended an offer to on Monday night. Another guy they really like, a guy that they I think they have a really good shot with. So when we're talking about some of these flip candidates, we'll, we'll see – on several of them, especially Staley. That that one is maybe the most intriguing to me, Wes, just because if I'm kind of ranking them, I'm probably most unsure about that one. Not that I'm sure on a, on a couple of these others. I think there are different levels of South Carolina's chances with, with those four uh, guys who are committed to other programs. Staley maybe has the most intrigue for me, the most kind of a uh, mystery. I do think South Carolina is in that one. Uh, but they've got a legitimate shot, you know, to pull off some flips. And so after a period where, um, you know, some fans have kind of been wondering, hey, when are they going to get another commitment? Hey, who are some flip candidates? What's kind of the – what's the activity look like? It seems like there's a lull. Yeah, there has been a little bit of a lull in some different activities. That'll pick up a lot more after the season when the transfer portal opens. It's going to be a big transfer portal window year once again for the Gamecocks, probably – one of the biggest ever, Wes, probably in the transfer portal era. Uh, but we got some activity now with Gamecocks chasing some guys 
who are committed to other places. We've got some activity with some other schools looking at a couple of South Carolina's current commitments as well. Yeah, we, we got some – there's some dudes involved here. Anytime anytime you got a defensive end, edge, defensive line, whatever prospect that you try to pull up their film, Chris, and they got a dunk tape, that's a good sign. <laughs> that is a good sign. Cam Fountain, 24, dunk tape. I'm I'm all aboard here. Not even that a basketball is, highlight. Just dunk, yeah, no, just dunk just tape. Yes, dunk tape. Like you're intrigued I'm, by a basketball player that even like you're like, oh basketball highlight. This guy can move his feet and everything, but no, just just dunks. I mean, a guy we just talked about earlier, T.J. Sanders. When I saw his basketball tape, I was like, "You take that guy yes, all day." Yes. So let let's. I mean, we got a little bit of time here, Chris. Let let's watch. Cam Fountain's dunk tape. Let's do it. Wes, while you're pulling that up, can I do one more thing for us here? Please, please do. I want to tell, make sure the people know about the Gamecock Central on three app before we get on to Cam Fountain's dunk tape. Breaking news, push notifications, South Carolina Gamecock's news feed, and a streamlined version of the Insiders Forum. You should come hang out with me come hang out with Wes if that's appealing to you at any time on the insiders forum not just on the show and the on three elite player database push notifications are really cool Wes um, you can get breaking news you can get all our stories whether you're a member whether you're not a member of Gamecock Central we'd obviously love to have you but this app is free for anyone to download go to the app store on three app go to Google Play on three app download it pick South Carolina as your team and you'll be ready to roll with the Gamecock Central on three apps. A really cool way to keep up with us. Just want to make sure I mention that. All right, we roll to uh, the Cam Fountain dunk tape. Not to be confused with the Chris Clark dunk tape. There would be no confusion, I don't think. Kev Roche may have a dunk tape from back in the day. I want I want Kev's thoughts on the the dunk tape. Okay, all right. I mean, they, these he's making these look very easy so far, I feel like. Justin Simmons has a story about Sydney. See, I think, Justin, have you told this story before? I think many people have the same story about Sidney Rice uh, playing at the Strom. I mean, I, I saw I saw Sidney Rice literally jump over a guy in the Strom. Like, you, you know, sometimes you hear somebody say, like, I oh, jumped over him, and he kind of just – dunked in somebody's face like he jumped over a, a human being in the strong like, like literally yeah like it was a shorter guy like even shorter than me but still he jumped over somebody and dunked it was uh it was pretty awesome so the question is justin was that you was the <laughs> was the that guy in this story you or truly someone else <laughs> I, I remember there being just stories about the football team claiming they could beat the men's basketball team at the time when Sydney was there, might is probably true. Yeah, they they had some guys. <laughs> um, anyway, all right, we'll get off this. I know if you're if you're listening to it, you're you're not able to watch the dunk tape at all. So we're going to be cognizant of you folks who listen on the podcast version. We'll turn this off, or we'll just leave it playing while we finish off the show. But all right, we talked we talked Loggins, we talked Clayton White, talked Dow Loggins. Um, 
or excuse me, talk Pete Limbo. I listened to the Beamer teleconference SEC today as well. Nothing else new really that we haven't heard, except he was asked about the Florida defense, Chris. I don't know if we've talked quite enough yet about maybe what they have there talent-wise. Like that, that hasn't really been discussed much. And, you know, I, I think on, on the Florida offense, one thing we haven't really talked about much is that there was a question today to Clayton White about the fact that Florida actually has the most average time of possession of anybody in the SEC. So this kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier with the scheme. But it, it's kind of funny. You go from one team who really in Tennessee could not care less about time of possession. They want to wear you down in a different way. Whereas now you face Florida, they want to wear you down in the traditional way, which is lineup, shift, motion, snap the ball late in the play clock. Oh, man, it's second and five. Now lineup, shift, motion. Now it's third and one. Lineup, shift, motion. Now it's first down, and we do it all again. And next thing you know, seven and a half minutes are off the clock and they had the ball inside your 10. That's what they want to do to you, which is completely opposite from what Tennessee wants to do. Well, yeah, it's a fascinating dynamic, Wes. I mean, I, I'm going back and looking, you know, a good sample size. And, and this doesn't mean they would have won the game because they were playing Tennessee, who, as you said, doesn't care. But Tennessee only had the ball 22 minutes to Florida's 37 and a half in that game. And Florida obviously won that game by 13 points. Even in Florida's two losses to Utah and to Kentucky, where they were thoroughly beaten, they won the time of possession battle, right? So um, you don't you don't have to beat them in time of possession uh, in order to win on the scoreboard. But man, if you are kind of identifying some areas, um, that's one that you look at. If you can... Uh, prevent Florida from moving and change. I mean, Clayton White talked about that today. Third and five, depending on where you're at on the field, defense, you need to bear in mind that they may be uh, giving themselves two downs to get those five yards, right? This is a team that's going to – they like to run the ball. They like easier access throws for Graham Mertz, who Shane Beamer pointed out, completing like 80% of his passes in conference play. Um, those are the types of things that they, they want to do. Um, higher percentage plays where they can just go out and execute. And so um, they, they want to be able to control those things. And they have a defense that has shown to be pretty salty at times, Wes. They, they've been really up and down. They shut down Tennessee, which was interesting. That got a lot of eyes popping. They go play at Kentucky, give up, I don't know, what was it, 300 rushing yards almost to Ray Davis. Bad in the first quarter, I think. In the, in the first quarter. And so – Ups and downs, right? But a defense is certainly capable, and South Carolina hasn't shown the capability to unlock anything close to that level of explosiveness that Kentucky showed. So, time of possession, I don't, I'm not saying it's huge, but I don't think you want to walk away from this game saying that Florida really dominated the tempo and the style of play in this game. That's what you got to avoid. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Beamer specifically mentioned 
their size up front defensively and mention that when they are in those pass rush situations, they can really get after you, which for South Carolina, we know is um, that's not a strength on offense. So that's something to keep an eye on. You got to stay out of those third and longs. Couple little noteworthy things. Travis saying here, uh, need Drew Tuazama to show up for this game and set the edge against a, a good running team. Yeah, Tuazama was not with the team in Tennessee. Beamer saying earlier this week, he is back. Everything's good there. Sounds like you can maybe expect him to be back in the rotation potentially this week. And then I guess we kind of knew this based on what we saw, Chris, and based on the depth chart. But I guess also somewhat newsy, Clayton White confirming, hey, Elijah Davis is an edge guy. He is a defensive end now. Um, he called it a permanent move, so not just an interior guy anymore, um, which it, it kind of been a little bit of back and forth. We saw him play both in the spring. They were pretty adamant early on this year. They wanted him to be an interior guy. It seems like they've settled on, all right, dude, you're an edge guy. That's where you're most comfortable. You can bring some size to that spot. And I, I I just think he's more comfortable there, man. That's kind of what Clayton White said, and that kind of backs up some stuff I had heard during the offseason as well. So I, I think he can help them there potentially as the year goes on and as he gets more and more comfortable. Yeah, the, he uh, played it in the spring game. And that, remember all the returns after the spring game? Hey, Elijah Davis looked pretty good at end. Do you think he could help him there? Um, and so the question was – the answer is, yeah, he probably could, but but will he? You know, how, how does the coaching staff want to use him? I remember hearing that Elijah Davis preferred to play defensive end. So seems like this move makes a lot of sense, Wes. They, if they can stay healthy on the interior and, and not have to have, you know, Boogie Huntley and, and Tonka play the entire game at defensive tackle like we kind of saw against Tennessee because of Nick Barrett being banged up because of T.J. Sanders missing the second half, you feel like they're okay there. They, they have to find some more answers at the edge position. So makes a good bit of sense. And um, I, I think we'll probably continue to see his snaps go up there too. No doubt. All right, y'all, we are about out of time, but first going to tell you about our friends at Liberty tax 803-462-5576. Not quite tax time, but it will be here soon. You're going to want somebody who is on your side. If you've had uh, tax problems or troubles in the past and you need help with the IRS, they can help you with that. Or if you've had life changes this year, that will affect your tax picture when you're doing your taxes leading into April. Liberty Tax can help you with that as well. Three convenient locations right here throughout the Midlands, 803-462-5576. Give them a call today. Tell them that Gamecock Central sent you. Larry and his team will take great care of you. All right, Chris, I think I'm out, man. What about you? Yep, sounds good. We'll be back on Friday, Florida Game Preview. Yep, final preview, Friday. Looking forward to it. For Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see you then.